Patrick Finley. He's Jason Leisure. Jason, the Bears did something they haven't done since 2013. They won a football game coming out of a bye. Uh, we will talk all about their win against the Lions at Soldier Field coming up next on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, this is a good win for the Bears, and it's maybe two years since we've been able to say that with a straight face. I think it's a really good win. Let's talk about the win kind of independent of everything else going on around it, because all of the context that you put around it will then tilt your view of this. This in itself, just Sunday against the Lions, is a great win. Yep. It is a great win on all of these fronts. It is a pretty good game by the offense. Justin Fields was good. Mm-hmm. Not amazing. Also not bad, though. He was Justin Fields was good. They don't win this game without Justin Fields. Absolutely. His scrambles, his, uh, his really brilliant play on the touchdown pass to DJ Moore on the no call. And we got to get, I mean, on the uh, free play. And we got to get into that in detail later on in this conversation. Uh, defense looked fantastic. You beat a team that was 9-3 and three in the top of the division. Yep. A team that you haven't really, I mean, last year you weren't even hardly competitive against. Well, and we had joked that it felt like they had been leaking oil, uh, the Lions, for a couple weeks yeah. now. But they'd won four of their last five. Yeah. Them leaking oil is the best They're Bears better. run of the last yes. five years. They're still yeah. better. <laughs> right. They're still better. You look at this game in total, Justin Fields plays well. Defense looks really good. Mm-hmm. You... Start hot. There's a little bit of a dip there in the second quarter, but you close very well. I mean, they went up at two scores late third, early fourth quarter, and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was end of the game. There was no drama. There was no threat. This didn't end with somebody chucking it into the end zone to see what happened. Right. This was a very competent and complete performance by the Bears. This was good. The Bears defense in the second half gave up three three and outs. Uh, for, on the first three possessions, got a fumble on the fourth, then got a turnover on downs on the next three possessions. That's what the Lions did in the second half. They did not score. This is an offense that was fourth in rushing and fourth in passing entering this game. The Bears just pitched a second-half shutout against one of the good to great offensive schemes in football. That's, my God, I mean, three weeks ago we were talking about how the, they looked okay for three quarters against the Saints. Like, this is real progress on the defensive end. You know, I want to get into Justin uh, in, in that free play here in a second, but to me this starts with a defense that can keep the Bears in games and can keep the opponent held down enough that you don't need Justin Fields to score 40 points. The, right. the 28's good. 28's fantastic. Yes. 28 would not have won them most games last year, I don't think. No. And uh, they get three takeaways today. They had four in each of the previous three games. Do you think this is luck or right place, right time, or skill, or kind of a little bit of everything? Takeaway, it's hard, it's always hard for me to give you takeaways as a skill. Right. I think there's so much luck involved in that. But you tend to be luckier when you have a good pass rush. Mm-hmm. And I've always, from the jump, Pat, liked their secondary. I think you did too. Yeah. I think we had this conversation a few times in the offseason that that just looks like a thoroughly filled out group. And now the real question for that secondary is, can you keep them together for a while here? Can you sign Jalen Johnson? Can you keep this, not not just these five with the three corners and the two safeties. And I'm counting Eddie Jackson. I would still want Eddie Jackson here if I was the Bears. Brian Poles might feel differently with that gap number. 
But also Josh Blackwell, Terrell Smith. You've got some depth at those positions that you usually don't have. Almost any NFL coach you ever talk to will say, we don't have enough corners. We could never have enough corners. The Bears might actually have enough corners. You look at this as a complete game. It is the best team that they've beaten in the Matt Eberflus era. I'm throwing out that 49ers opener last year because – that was a free-for-all game. Anybody could have... Who was the quarterback in that monsoon? It was, it was Trey Lance. Trey Lance, yeah. yeah. Uh, now what does it mean? And in a way, the fact that it is so remarkable is part of the problem for the Bears. That if this was something they had done more often and you had confidence that they could do more often going forward, then you'd feel a little bit better about this not being an outlier. How do you how do you look at this in the terms in, in just in the sense of from this perspective, Patrick, where you come out of the bye week, you have five games left, and it feels like everything's on the line at that time. Yeah, and, and it does. And it, the way I look at it is this: if Matt Eberflus is going to make a claim to stick around and, and to be the coach going forward, he needs to be able to sell his bosses on progress at the end of the year. Um, He's got a long way to go to get there, I think. But I don't think he could have gotten there without beating the Lions at home. Because all of a sudden now you're looking at his first win streak as a head coach. It's a modest two-game win streak, but it's something. Had they lost, that's not something you could have been able to say until what? Uh, Christmas Eve? Something like that. Uh, you have you know, the possibility right now that they could still, if they want out, have a winning record. Uh, again, I'm not saying that's likely, but it's there. You know, you know, a game in Cleveland next week uh, against a team that just won, that's a tough game, I think. It's an extremely tough game. But if they can get through that, they play the Cardinals and Falcons, two dome teams at home uh, on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. Those are games that they should be favored to win and they should expect to win. And, man, if that, you know, if you were sitting at – I mean, there's a world where they sit 8-8 eight and eight going into the Packer game. Again, I'm not there yet. I mean, you know, a lot of good's going to have to happen to even have a possibility of that. But I don't think you were ever going to get there unless you beat the Lions. This is the signature win that Matt Eberflus has had now. That is a sad statement in and of itself, but it's there. And, and I think you can feel momentum building a little bit. I think the five opponents that they had left going, coming out of the bye, it, each one matters. You're right. Uh, you know, doing something like this against the Arizona Cardinals isn't really worth very much. Mm-hmm. You do this against the Lions, you do this against the Browns, and depending on the state everybody's in and what's – what, what the context is for that Green Bay game at the end of the year, you do it in those games, it's worth a lot more than it is against the Cardinals and the Falcons. So if you're great, if you're kind of putting, attaching different weights of importance to these games, this was the most important. Yep. This was the best team. This was a division team. This was a team that absolutely humiliated you last month. Right. And, and that's part of it too is, you know, they get to exercise some of the demons of how they lost. At Ford, Field, at Ford Field. It doesn't make it go away, but it feels a little better yeah, to know it, that you even the score. Yeah, it does. And, you know, Cole Komet said in the locker room afterwards, listen, nobody's throwing a parade because we've won two in a row. And he's right. And I, I think that's an important perspective to keep is just because this is better than the mess we saw at the beginning of the year doesn't mean that it's good or anything that they should strive for, you know, winning two straight. But it feels like something is building, and that would have slipped away had they lost to the Lions. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people talk about the locker room being together. I understand what that sounds like to the outside world, uh, and I roll my eyes at it sometimes, too, as if, you know, going to work with the right attitude is something worthy of praise. It's kind of, to 
paraphrase bare minimum. Yeah, to paraphrase Chris Rock, like it's what you're expected to do. Right. Um, but to hear even Montez Sweat talk about how when he got here and the Bears weren't winning, but the locker room was good and everybody was, you know, pulling in the right direction. And that believe you know, <laughs> believe me, that didn't happen when he was with the Commanders. Like being better than the Commanders is not a goal that anybody, <laughs> anybody should be thrilled with with the with meeting. But I, I think it does say a little bit something about the way Matt Eberflus has held things together here. The same conversation that we're having about Matt Eberflus and about the Bears overall is a conversation that you need to have about Justin Fields. This is a good game for Justin Fields. Full stop. Yep. Justin Fields, 19 of 33, 233 yards, 223 yards passing, 88 passer rating, runs 12 times for 58 yards, delivers often at critical moments. Mm-hmm. Very good game. Lamar Jackson has this game, and everyone's like, okay, cool. Jalen Hurts has this game. Josh Allen has this game. Everyone's like, okay, cool, whatever. Got by the Lions at home. Justin Fields, this stands out as a remarkable game, and it's the same conversation where great, great, like very good performance, winning performance, Mm -hmm. but the fact that that is kind of remarkable is part of the problem again. It is. Can he do a little more than this? Because this is still leaving something to be desired. He's good, not mm-hmm. great. And could he be at least good? Could he establish this as his floor, Right. for example? I, I don't know. I mean, he's been doing this for almost three seasons now. You don't, you don't have to know. Yeah. I mean, I, this is kind of the essential question, though, that everyone has to try to answer now from us right. to all the way up to Ryan Poles over the next month. I'm still of the belief that if he could, we'd know by now. Um, if he were undeniable, we'd know by now. But there are positions you can put him in to use his strengths and to win football games. And to me, the most impressive part about his game today was that he didn't fumble twice in the fourth quarter the way he did against the Vikings. You know, he was on his way to cruising to a win against the Vikings, too, and then he kind of stepped in it himself. In this case, he avoided those, you know, you know those really big mistakes. He fumbled once, but he was ruled down. He threw maybe two balls that the ball left his hand. He went, and uh, it didn't end up being an interception or anything like that. And then he did maybe the most instinctive thing we've seen him do in the air, which is saying something because I think the argument against Justin Fields by a lot of people is that he's not an instinctive passer. And, you know, my God, there are a lot of plays where he doesn't look like an instinctive passer. But 4th and 13 wasn't one of them. Jason, walk us through the play. This is the play of the game for the Bears, and it is a, a brilliant play offensively. Mm-hmm. And we don't say that very often, especially on offense with this team. And Justin Fields, there's a shortage of brilliant plays at quarterback. This was brilliant in every sense of the word. Physically, mentally, this was all executed just incredibly. 4th um, and 13, late in the third quarter, tie game. The Bears are at the Detroit 38. They are just trying to run a hard count and get them to jump off sides. They are not going. They are not intending to call play. If they get to zero, they're taking a delay they'll game and the, punting. They'll take yep. the delay game. They'll punt. They are not expecting to run a play, but they are prepared. Justin Fields, in particular, is prepared for the possibility that if you draw them off sides, snap the ball and let's go with a free play. Take a shot. So you're in a situation where they've been flagged for offsides. There is no consequence. No, there is no downside to this. Mm-hmm. Try something. And Detroit bites. Uh, which player was it that jumped? Was it, it was Hutchinson? Aiden Hutchinson? Yep. It was Aiden Hutchinson. The pass rusher jumped. The Bears were shocked. Cole Komet said afterward, I, "I don't know how you 
jump on that play. Because mm-hmm. you, you guys see this. You guys watch these games. You watch the Bears games. You watch all the other games around the league. How often do you see somebody trying to get someone to jump on a fourth and whatever, and they're just going to take the delay and punt? How often does it work? It never works. Never works. You, it's always kind of just a waste of everyone's <laughs> time, and we all just stare at the clock and watch it tick down. Detroit jumps, and the Bears are ready. Right. There's two parts to this. One, get them to jump. Two, be ready mm-hmm. to run a play in a scenario where you don't expect to run a play. And Lucas Patrick snapping the ball before he can get back, too, is part of it, which is, I think, an important Yeah, piece. yep. And DJ Moore ends up in single coverage. Mm-hmm. Bad situation if you're a defense. And Justin Fields throws a perfect ball, 38-yard touchdown pass. That's the go-ahead touchdown. And you wait and see what the Bears can do from there. What they do is continue to run away, and they close this out with no drama. That play in particular, though, really changed everything for them. As they were lining up, there were all linemen pointing and, and making calls. And I was saying to you in your ear, probably annoying you, by going, ah, oh, look at all this fake BS that they're doing right now. Like we saw, we thought this was a no play, right? Um, Cole Komet said after the game that as they line up, he looked over at Mooney and tapped his helmet. And Mooney looked back at him quizzically like, what the heck are you doing? And it was nothing. It was just Komet trying to sell the fact that they were uh, going to run a real play. And so the Bears all. There was a lot of motioning like that. There was a lot of making calls. Yeah, a lot. It was all window dressing. It was all fake. Yeah, yeah. And you know, even even Justin Fields said, you know, the key is to make it feel like any other play. Maybe that's the case for him as the quarterback with the cadence, but everybody else on the team is is really acting like, oh my God, look at us, we're about to run this play. Uh, Fields gets the snap, throws the ball kind of three quarters or sidearm almost. Gets it to him uh, to more after he crossed the face of the, the defender in front of him. And it's, you know, we cover enough of these games, Jason, that when, when a big important play happens, you kind of feel a rumble in the press box, even if it's just all of us who are supposed to, you know, be quiet. You know, is you feel electricity when something big happens. And this might have been the first time at Soldier Field all year that you could, you know, whether it's, you know, the people working in the kitchen behind us or – or, or maybe people who don't know any better kind of yelling out a little scream or a little, little yelp that, oh, my God, what the, what the world did they just do? Yeah. They couldn't believe what they saw. There's no, no cheering in the press box, by the way. There isn't, no. Uh, DJ Moore, really good game. Mm-hmm. And you say that a lot. DJ Moore has been a really, really good pickup by Ryan Poles. And whether Justin Fields is the quarterback next year or a draft pick or there's a bridge quarterback brought in or something or whatever – Having DJ Moore here on a good, affordable contract as a legitimate number one receiver, not making what I would say number one receiver money, extremely to the Bears' advantage. DJ Moore with six catches for 68 yards. That touchdown catch was maybe not his most impressive play of the game. (laughs) That was a great throw by Justin Fields. I don't know how many times you've watched it. I've gone over it a few times, and it's just perfect. And I love watching any quarterback make that pass also I like watching Justin Fields lead a receiver that doesn't happen very often in stride perfect in the second half right into the end zone it was really great in the second half today the ball was coming out a little faster I thought and he was throwing with a little bit more anticipation which when he gets when he gets really bogged down it's because he is waiting for somebody to pop open to throw Mm -hmm. we did see some of that today too first half we saw a lot of of some of that today too um with I'm sorry you were the first touchdown DJ Moore gets the first touchdown run of his Career And this is an interesting play if you didn't see it. Uh, the Bears are at the 16, I believe. 
maybe second down uh, uh, at the at the Detroit 16, and they line fields up wide, far left as a wide receiver. DJ Moore is at quarterback. No, well, not originally. Originally, Fields was the quarterback, and then he went in motion to receiver. Yeah, they switched. Them, and the yeah. receiver and Moore motions back. Uh, Moore takes the shotgun snap, runs left. Fields comes around on an end around from left to right, and you know I, I think half the stadium just presumed they'd hand it off to Justin and he'd throw on the run, and they didn't. They faked it, and Moore kept it up the the left sideline. Was not touched, uh, I don't believe. Uh, easy touchdown. He got for great him. blocks. Yes, he uh, did. Lucas Patrick, Braxton Jones, and Trent Taylor, the punt returner, was in at wide receiver on that play. Uh, all three made huge blocks toward the end of that run that worked. That is an example. I know this is a DJ Moore play, but that is an example of what you could imagine with Justin Fields because the reason that play works is he's so unpredictable throwing versus running. And I, I, you're probably tired of hearing about this from me is that I feel like Justin Fields, more than any quarterback in the NFL, should own third and short. He mm -hmm. should own third and three, fourth and two, those kinds of situations, because you just don't know what he's going to do. And he is the best running back, uh, running quarterback in the league, right. hands down. He would be in the conversation for the best running quarterback in the league ever. Mm -hmm. And if he also can throw, then it's so much to keep track of. The and this is what you saw the Lions get lost in on that DJ Moore play is Justin Fields is coming back around to the backfield and is he going to get it as a runner? Is he going right. to get it as a thrower? There's a lot to pay attention to with Justin Fields and as you're trying to calculate all that, DJ Moore's in the end zone. Here's the flip side of that. Justin said after the game that he loved the play because he was exhausted. Yeah. Um, he and, scrambled a couple times on that Yeah, drive. and that he had... And that when he when he got the play in his ear, he was thrilled because he knew he wouldn't have to. He all he had to do was sell the run fake, and, and that he'd be okay. I I get you are correct in all of your points about Justin as a runner. I think the problem is in real life, as opposed to Madden. If he runs a lot, he's going to get tired. He's going to be a different version of himself if you overdo it. And you know, I I think when the Bears have been at their most frustrating, whether it's under Matt Nagy or. Uh, Luke Getze. it's you know they either overdo it or woefully underdo it and there's kind of no in between finding the right balance of he's got to be able to run when you absolutely have to have it and, and you saw that when he sprinted to the front right pylon uh, to score in the fourth quarter when you absolutely have to have it have it boy it's nice having the best athlete on the field with the ball in his hands but uh, I, I don't think you can you can't make a habit of it because that's a good way to get him tired. It's a good way to get him hurt. And he, he got hit a lot. Today. That was the point I wanted to make is that, yes, he gets fatigued uh, from that. But, man, he took some hits today. Yep. He took one really pretty big hit standing in the pocket throwing. Right. But he there was a play. I don't remember exactly when this was. I think it was maybe third quarter, Patrick, where he ran for maybe a couple of yards. And, and I think even slid or started to try to slide. And he just got Drilled. It looked like he lost his feet as he was getting hit. And it looked really bad. I think it was at the 30 going. We were watching to see to how north. he would get up yeah. from that. Yeah. And it, he was fine. It, he was fine. You know, the Bears run game wasn't spectacular today. They didn't really have to rely on it, uh, I think, the way you've seen in other games. Justin provided a good amount of the, those uh, those rushes. Uh, Komet had a decent, a decent output. Darnell Mooney just seems... It just seems off with Mooney now, doesn't it? I mean, or three, maybe three balls that hit Mooney in the hands and didn't, it didn't work. Um, whether it was, you know, not a great throw by Justin, but good enough. Uh, 
and Justin even talked about that today, is that he, you know, he knows Mooney's working hard. He's not worried about Mooney, but you know, he acknowledged that you know, maybe the chemistry is not at its best right now. Darnell Mooney, not, he got seven targets today, and that's high yep. for what he's been getting this season. Uh, two catches for 44 yards. Darnell Mooney on the season is still under 400 yards receiving. That's unbelievable. He's averaging like about two catches a game, I want to say. Uh, I have his numbers here. Let's see. Darnell Mooney, 27 catches now for 395 yards and one touchdown. That's updated through the Lions game on Sunday. That is something is not right, and I don't quite know. I don't know exactly what it is, but somewhere in that triangle of Justin Fields, Luke Getze, and Darnell Mooney, there's at least one breakdown. I, and we saw it last year too, Pat. This was a guy coming off a thousand yard right. receiving season, and a guy who we have seen every day of his Bears career, from going back to April of 2020 or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, when they drafted him, and it was nothing but up. It yep. was nothing but ascend, ascending mm-hmm. for Darnell Mooney until this staff came in, and the Bears have not thrown a lot. Mm-hmm. They've thrown the sixth fewest passes in the NFL. So there's not a lot of balls out there to be caught. But DJ Moore is getting his. Cole Komet is getting his. And I feel like the pecking order for Fields is Moore, Komet, and then maybe some running backs. And then Darnell Mooney. Yeah. And, and Darnell, this isn't like Claypool where Darnell Mooney's out there. He's not reliable. He's not in the right place. Like you said with Justin Fields' comment, it's not like he's not working hard. Darnell Mooney blocks. Right. Darnell Mooney is proof that anybody can block if they want to. Right. If it matters to him. Uh, because he's small. And he out, is out there doing a very good job blocking. That is a failure by the Bears and their coaching staff that Darnell Mooney has not been more of a factor the last two years. You inherit this asset, and there's no doubt they think he's an asset. Ryan Poles, this is a guy he's been on and on about since he took the he was, job. He was literally the only guy Ryan Poles said nice things about the yeah. first time he talked about the and Bears roster. And it's not some, like, Imagination. It's not some projection that, hey, he right. could be a 1,000-yard receiver. He was. Right. He was a 1,000-yard receiver right before you got him. That's got to get figured out, man. Because I don't think Darnell Mooney's the problem necessarily. Don't, couldn't you see Darnell Mooney having a great year for somebody else next year? What I need to figure out my own self is this. Has Justin, has Justin just fallen in love with DJ Moore? And if so, that's justifiable. DJ Moore's great. Or is Justin poor at moving on from one receiver to the next to the next when making his reads. I, I think we've seen evidence of that, too. Um, and Mooney's probably going to be third read on a lot of plays. Yeah, yeah. And I, Mooney helps them win whether the ball's in his hand or not. But I, I think, you know, for Mooney's sanity and, and for the sake of variety in the Bears' offense, I think they need to get the ball in his hands more. Um, Mooney's free agency, this is just an offshoot of this conversation, but Mooney's free agency is going to be interesting. It's going to be weird, yeah. He's not automatic to come back. It's hard to predict like what the Bears would want, would value him at versus what some other team might value him at. I'm, I'm beginning to think he's a three on a good team. And, I, and those guys don't get paid. Well, we thought at one point he was a clear two. Yeah, one B. With maybe. a chance to prove that he could be a one. Yeah. And maybe he still would be in the right offense. Maybe, you know, maybe Darnell Mooney goes to the Chiefs. And he's a Pro Bowl wide receiver. <laughs> you can say that about a lot of people on the Bears' offense, which is in a different situation. I mean, Justin Fields. I mean, but yeah, it's a conversation for another day. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's alarming. And you know, I mean, Justin and 
Mooney are close. You know, this isn't any sort of enmity or anything like that. This is just the way it's working out. It's not ending up in, in Mooney's hands. Jason, do you think Monday at Hallis Hall is going to feel, dare I say, uplifting? Have we had that in two years? I think this is got to be, this has to be the best that they've felt. I mean, there's not a lot of these days to look at. Coming off that <laughs> yep. Washington game earlier this year when they won 40 to 20. And then they had the, buy, the mini buy? That felt good. That felt like things were a little lighter at Hallis Hall. Uh, even then, it had been, what, just a straight month of absolute misery leading right. up to that between a million different things uh, with, with Alan Williams and some of the losses and how the losses happened. And I mean, there have not been a lot of good Mondays, good day after games at Hallis Hall these last two seasons. I think winning two in a row and going into a game now where you have a chance – they can talk about having a chance in this Cleveland game, and we're not laughing at them. Right. I would bet on Cleveland. Sure. I, I think Cleveland's defense is a problem that they're not ready to deal with yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to – it's not a joke game. Yeah. It's not that the Bears have no shot. The Bears have won two in a row. They beat a really good team Sunday in the Lions, and they, have a, they absolutely should expect to be competitive with Cleveland. Whether they win or not is a different thing, but they're not going into a game just knowing they're going to get smoked. You mentioned, you know, coming in after the Commanders game. You know, since then, you know, that first month was just such a mess. And since then, they're just kind of run-in-the-mill average. You know, what are they, you know, they start 0-4, and yeah, now they're 5-9. They're they're five five and and yeah, I mean, that's, and that is not to praise them at all, but it's to say that things have been, I think things have been relatively stable for a while. And it feels like they may be going from relatively stable to, dare I say, mildly promising. Well, that's the question, though. Right. That's the whole question. No one could argue against that they've been, they've gone from horrible to okay. Right. They've gone to a team that wins half their games. They're okay. Right. But the last staff got fired for winning like half their games. Right. I mean, the question is, can you do more than that, or is it just gonna kind of be like this? Uh, when you play those top teams, you know, when you throw them in against, we, we're not laughing at them going to Cleveland, but we would we, how would we feel if they were going to Philly, San Francisco, sure. Dallas, yeah. Miami, Baltimore, Kansas City? That's different, and th- that's a long list of teams. That's a bunch of teams that are all at the top. Uh, they're, about are the, eight, they're about eight good teams in the league. Those are, yeah. those are teams those you got to chase. Right. Those are, and it's not just two is my point. Right. It's not just like Philly and Kansas City. Right. There's a good six to eight teams that are at the top of the league, that that's your goal. Mm-hmm. And you can you go from, can you look at this and say, okay, I see where this gets to that. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that yet. And, I, and I, the truth is, I don't see that in fields. No. I think I can see it defensively. You do see it I've been talking. To, I've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. It, it felt like, like you could squint and go like, oh, that's what this is all supposed to be. But, um, but yeah, offensively, it's just not consistent. And that'll get better because uh, other than quarterback, what I would be looking for in the top ten in the draft next year would be pass rusher. Yep. And now you would be looking at or, – or really good D-tackle. Now you look at strengthening a defensive line that's better. You have your linebackers in place. Mm-hmm. You have what I think is a, one of the better secondaries in the league. Mm-hmm. That is a defense that has all the pieces. Matt Eberflew said it today. We're still having to blitz a little bit, but – we can run a lot of the stuff that I want to run. Right. It's a it's night and day different path than last year, mm-hmm. where 
it's like Jaquan Brisker leads them in sacks right. because they don't have pieces and they better come up with the, just the most creative things you've ever heard of to try to get any kind of pressure and none of it works as they give up more points than anyone in the league. Jaquan Brisker, 17 tackles today. Uh, uh, the most uh, Iberflu said it. Th- he thought it was the most of anyone he'd ever see, uh, coached. Uh, let's go back and I think T.J. Edwards said 17 earlier this year. I presume what he meant was defensive back he'd ever coached. Just, yeah, I think he meant like a DB. But also he also said reminds me of my college days. It's nice to see Iberflu try to loosen up a little bit. He has the funniest flexes though. <laughs> he, he either has horrible timing to flex about things that are unimpressive, like yeah. two and two in our last four. Or call it good plays at halftime of the New right. Orleans game that they lost. Right. Or like the flex at the Carolina game of something up his sleeve. What's up yours? And then today reminds me of my college days. <laughs> Played at Toledo. It's a rocket. <laughs> hey, man, he, he went farther than I did. But it was just a funny. Reminds me of my college days. You could tell he was feeling good. He was. He was feeling himself. It's nice. <laughs> Anyway, Jason, we'll have uh, plenty of time this week to break down Joe Flacco. Oh, good Lord, Joe Flacco. Can you believe that's real? No, I cannot. And he was pretty good Sunday, I think, against the Jags. Is he elite, though, Jason? Is he elite? If I could bring back a 2014 meme, is he elite? Uh, We will break down Joe Flacco, the Browns, and Justin Fields' return to the House of Horrors. That is whatever they call that stadium. Until then, you can follow Jason, Mark Potash, and myself on social media. Check us out in print and on the Sun-Times website. Uh, He's Jason Leisure. I'm Pat Finley. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.